Hi again, I'm Sean Kelly, the voice of the Gators, and this is Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Welcome to episode number 22 of our podcast. It is a special one today. In celebration of Black History Month, I'm going to share with you a guest of great impact. His name is Ron Coleman. He is the first black scholarship athlete ever at the University of Florida. He went on to have a distinguished career in the Navy and continued to serve the university in a variety of ways. While he was on campus, he encountered a number of different adverse situations, while at the same time winning six SEC championships in track and field. He shares his story with us today and his life of service and gives us great perspective on what he and his fellow pioneers mean to the University of Florida. Here's again we celebrate Black History Month. In addition to that, as I sit here in my office inside the swamp, we are on the eve of the 110th Florida Gators baseball season. Jack Caglione last season was a two-way player for the Gators, starting on the mound on Sundays and playing at first base. He was the only Gator to play in all 71 games last season. He was an All-American, All-Conference, and broke the single-season home run record and RBI record amongst other achievements last season. Caglione and the Gators are in defense of an SEC championship and hope to make a return to Omaha and take that one last step that eluded them last year, and that's winning the second national championship in this program's history. We also sit down with Scott Strickland. It's another edition of Ask the AD, and Kenna McGinnis is back. Our student worker has the latest edition of Kenna on campus. So with that, we get started here with Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages, and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes, that's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Our podcast is also brought to you by Pet Paradise. Gator fans, for pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services, all in one convenient location. Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. Well, to say that it is not only going to be a pleasure, but more importantly, an honor to get to visit with our next guest here on the Gator Tales podcast with Sean Kelly. It's a man of historical significance. It's a man of a great character, integrity, and one who served our country as well uh, during his uh, uh, amazing life. Uh, An Ocala native who still resides in the state of Florida and here during Black History Month, I can't think of anybody else that I would want to talk to during this time than Ron Coleman. Ron Coleman, the first African-American scholarship athlete at the University of Florida, has agreed to join us for this uh, celebration today and to help share a story that I think, Mr. Coleman, a lot of people are aware of. There are many who probably know a lot about the story, but I would venture to say there is a good chunk of 
of Florida Gators fans, students, and otherwise that may not be as familiar with your story now. And that's why I think it's more than worthy to bring back up. So thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by what you've done since you were a young man here just south of us in Ocala. Thank you, Sean. And you, you're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. When I say, when I say the date, Ron Coleman, May 22nd, does it immediately bring something to mind? So May 22nd, the signing day, the signing day. Yep. Yep. So yep. do you, that do was, you, that was a very significant day in my life. Absolutely. So every year when May 22nd rolls around, do you think about it or does it just come and go? Actually, I used to think about it quite a bit because it was such a significant day in my life. And I remember that day well, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. But nowadays, not as significant. It kind of fades, you know, talking about the uh, memory issues that old people have. We've heard quite a bit of, of that lately in the news. <laughs> but... It's not about their memory. It's about doing other things and moving along. And so uh, May 22nd, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you the details if, if you'd like to know. I would. May 22nd, 1968. And Ron, you were amongst what I would refer to as our pioneers. Uh, you were not alone. You were the first to sign a scholarship, but you were not alone in, in breaking the color barrier here at the University of Florida. But the significance for our visit is that you were the first one to to sign that scholarship. Mm -hmm. And if you could lead me up to that date and then tell me more about the day itself. Certainly, yeah. And the date you're referring to is May 22nd, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so during my, my high school senior year, my dad and I had several discussions about going to college. My, my family was uh, encouraging as far as all of, uh, all of us, extended family as well, immediate and extended family, all of us going to college to complete our education. And so my dad had sent my brother to Bethune-Cookman University, and I had a sister, have a sister who's six years younger than I am. So my dad said to me, listen, I, I, I sent your brother to, to college. I'm going to be able to send your sister, but I don't know what we're going to do about your college education. So we're going to have to figure something out. In the meantime, I'm excelling out there on the track. I'm doing my thing. I'm breaking records. I'm winning and and, and just doing good things for Ocala High School. And uh, Coach Carnes took notice of it. And on May 22nd, 1968, it was Senior Skip Day at Ocala High School in Ocala, Florida. <laughs> so so off I go with the rest of the seniors to Daytona Beach, Florida. Now, this signing is scheduled for the afternoon. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, the little Corvair that I'm riding in with a friend breaks down, and we're on the beach. <laughs> and here I am, Sean, like, uh, <laughs> I got to sign this scholarship at, uh, sometime this afternoon. We made it back, long story short. But... I was a, a, a bedraggled senior signing a scholarship for the University of Florida Gators. But Ray Graves came over with Coach Carnes. Uh, my parents and, and friends, well, my dad, my mom had passed. My uh, friends and relatives were there with me to join in the signing. It was a great day. Absolutely great day. The the, the Corvair part of it is even more remarkable. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I, it, you've made me immediately visualize. And, and I didn't. You know, senior skip day, I don't even think is a thing anymore. I think I might be the last no. of that generation that was able to exactly. do that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, Ron, there's great stories about, you know, Branch Rickey um, trying to to work with Jackie Robinson about, you know, I need to 
I need to do this, but it has to be the right person because of what that man will have to to enter and deal with, with breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. You mentioned Uh coach. Did he have to prepare you in any way? Was there any thought of, you know, I have to sign Ron Coleman because he's the right man for the job, if you will, or he's the right man to handle what will be a pioneering experience at the University of Florida? Were those conversations had? We didn't have direct conversations about that or explicit conversations about that. It was implied simply because of the, the, the threats that were accompanied with the, uh, with the signing. Literally, I had death threats uh, because of the signing. I had, um, and my parents, my dad rather, at the time uh, was very agreeable to it, of course, since he couldn't send me to college. He thought, well, this is a great way to do it. Off you go. Until those threats came around. Now, uh, Coach Carnes was really, his his job was to convince my dad at that point that it was going to be okay. So we did have some of those conversations, but it wasn't with me because I'm an 18-year-old. What can happen to me? I'm an 18-year-old. I'm invincible. Nothing can happen to me. Uh, and 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 the, part of those threats was don't even come out in the front porch. You'll never make it to Gainesville. Coach Carnes had to deal with that. So I would say, in a sense, he was a, a pioneer in the civil rights uh, uh, arena as well. You said you were 18 and invincible. Commander Coleman, was there any fear at any point? You know what, Sean? There was literally no fear while I was in high school, going nearing graduation, no fear as I signed the scholarship. It was literally a good thing in my mind, and I did not fear. And a part of that reason, the part of the reason for that, Sean, is because as a teenager, a younger teenager, I participated in the civil rights movement in Ocala. I picketed. I sat in. I marched. I participated in the the rallies. We called them mass meetings. So this was... Uh, not unusual for me to to be confronted like this. And so I took it uh, in stride and it was nothing new to me. And therefore there was really no fear. Your father, certainly. Who else though inspired you to not only participate in, in mass meetings, as you said, in Ocala, but to I guess, actively participate in the civil rights movement. You know, was it Dr. King? Was it somebody more local? Who were your influences as such a young man? Yeah, absolutely. On a, on a national level, Dr. King was prominent. He, he was an inspirational leader. He set the example, especially in regard to the nonviolent uh, uh, emphasis on his part. And uh, coming right down to the local level, we had ministers teachers, uh, educators, uh, coaches, folks who were inspired by Dr. King as well, and who encouraged the youth, the young people in, in, in Ocala to participate. And we were eager to do so, not knowing the full extent of everything that had happened or that was still happen, happening, rather, um, the ongoing struggles. We were just eager, eager rather, to, to participate and to, quote unquote, make things better. Mm. So you signed the scholarship in May and uh-huh. you're off to campus. Ron, what was life like on campus at that time for you? Now, here comes a different story. Mm, <laughs> this yes. is where, Sean, this is where some of the the, the, the 
fear sneaked in because there were students on the campus who were adamantly opposed to having the first black athlete there, period. And 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 they let it be known. They showed their faces. They they would get in my face. And and along, I'll skip to the chase on that one. My coach, Jimmy Carn, said to me, now, Ron, when they get in your face and they get after you, you just run. You just, you're really good at running. So you just run. And he, he was, <laughs> he was, he was uh, very encouraging as far as me not confronting those, uh, those naysayers, those who would oppose uh, my integrating the athletic department at University of Florida. Uh, but it was overall a great experience. There were maybe approximately 300 other Black students there. And here's a part of the story that's somewhat unknown. Um, Johnny Brown, a Black student from West Palm Beach, Florida, and you may, you already know this probably, uh, was there along with me. And, and before, uh, before Johnny got there, Johnny and I, uh, we were actually roommates in Yon Hall, uh, which was underneath the stadium, the dormitory underneath the stadium. Uh, Johnny, I really made sure that he got the distinction of, uh, of being the first Black athlete to compete intercollegiately at the University of Florida. And b b before that happened, it, it was said that Ron Coleman's the first, da-da-da-da-da. Well, Johnny Brown was literally the first, although he wasn't on scholarship. Correct. Correct. But it was mm -hmm. you... It was you and several others that were, the, that's why I mentioned, uh, referred to you as the pioneers. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, mm -hmm. one was the first to compete. You were the first on scholarship. There would be, you know, Willie Jackson and others to be the first that would play on the football field for the first time for the University of Florida. Do you, do you all have shared experiences or because you were in different majors and or sports, were your experiences different in any way? No, we, we definitely have shared experiences. Um, when, when, when Willie and Willie Jackson and Leonard George were recruited the year after Johnny and I arrived on campus, they were welcomed with open arms. They sought us out uh, because it was a, a strange world to them as well. Um, and, and we all worked together. We all played together. We all ate together. We did everything together. We even associated with um, or, or made a point of associating with the other black students on campus uh, and formed um, the Association of Black uh, Black Alumni, Black yeah. Students. Ron, it's a story of celebration, obviously, here that we're revisiting during Black History Month. But at the same time, I can't help but feel other emotions. Number one, why did it take until 1968 to sign you to a scholarship? Um, why would it be a student experience that wouldn't be maybe the same that that some of our black athletes have now. And even still to this day, unfortunately, we still have struggles with regard to to racial relations and everything else. But so in that sense, how do we celebrate, but at the same time also have the the conflicting emotion that I'm kind of trying to share with you here? Yeah, I think we celebrate by by knowing that things are different. We celebrate by reflecting on the past, knowing that when when Johnny and I came along. Not only the university president was opposed to us coming, there were state legislators who were opposed to us coming on campus. And, and so we celebrate by realizing that things are literally different. Things have improved. Although, as you said, some things are still in, 
in place or some things are still relegated to uh, <laughs> to be commonplace where they shouldn't be. And I, I know that it's easy to say all is well, but sometimes you look in the cracks and crevices and you realize that eh, maybe things aren't all well as well as they could or should be. Yes. There still is the ongoing dream to be realized. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. indeed. Mm -hmm. Ron, you, you won six SEC championships, long jump, triple jump. There's success in this story. Uh, there's a college degree in this story, obviously. I'm trying to think of other maybe victories for you and your fellow pioneers during your student life experience. Is there Are there any that seemingly would come quickly to mind like this was a breakthrough moment? This was a welcoming moment. This is one that we would celebrate as a part of your experience as a Gator. I can relate one specifically, and, and it's more, it's, it's really similar to a, what I call a Jesse, uh, 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 Jesse Owens moment. And it was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Quick story. Uh, we, we traveled, we drove. <laughs> there was no flying back then, very little flying anyway. Drove to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It was getting kind of late one night, and we decided we needed to get something to eat. Went to a restaurant, immediately confronted by several uh, customers. We don't serve Negroes in this here restaurant. <laughs> and being the 18-year-old invincible, maybe 19 at that time, I don't know, said, well, uh, we're not going to order any anyway. I don't like to eat them. And so we that was really the bad, uh, wrong thing to say to somebody who's threatening you mm -hmm. as you walk into his restaurant. And I'm thinking, okay, now we're really in, in the heart of the matter. My daddy told me that I shouldn't go up here. Maybe this is the day I might regret it. But we stayed, and all of a sudden, a head peeped out from the back. It was one of the local folks, a black man who worked there, and he gestured at me with his finger, come here, come to me. So I got up and walked over. He goes, you really should leave the place. And in the meantime, Sean, I'm, I'm trying to make this a short story. I noticed a, a, a person walking out of the restaurant and having this background, quote unquote, in, in civil rights and the activities and the mannerisms. I thought, that's not a good thing. This guy walking out uh, threatening in a threatening way. And he came back with a, with a rifle, literally across his shoulder, across his chest. And that's when we decided, okay, we need to comply, we need to conform, we need to leave. They literally followed us back to the hotel. And that was one of the the the, the, the moments when I realized this is real. This is this is not just uh, something that's going to pass by. Mm -hmm. There are folks who are adamantly opposed to us being here. Ron, there's a story that floats around this building at a, a little bit still to this day that involves, I think, you and Jack Youngblood. Yeah. And, and for those who are unable to see our faces right now, you, you immediately got a big, broad smile across your face. Yeah, I've only yeah, heard yeah. bits and I've only heard bits and pieces. What is the story of you and Jack Youngblood, who uh, obviously yeah. football Hall of Famer, Steeler and Gator? Great story. Great story. For for me, it was, I you know, to this day, I'm not sure if Jack even remembers. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. But I. <laughs> the look on his face was like, I did that really? So here's here's how it goes. We were at the training table. The training table is where all of the athletes ate uh, their meals. 
it was just below the dormitory on the on the ground level of the dormitory. And I, since Johnny was not on scholarship, Johnny Brown, I was literally the only black athlete eating in the in the training hall and the cafeteria for athletes. So generally speaking, besides a few track uh, athletes, I ate alone. Uh, if, if there were no other uh, scholarship athletes in the cafeteria at the same time that I was, I was eating alone. One of those days when I'm eating alone, uh, a, a, a large shadow came over me <laughs> and I thought, hmm. And a voice from that shadow emanated asking me, what's wrong with you? Ah, boy, that was another moment when I thought, oh, boy. This is one of those uh, daddy moments. My daddy told me I was going to die up here. <laughs> so I, I turned as if to defend myself, turned to look up, and I kept looking up and up and up and up. <laughs> and there was Jack Youngblood standing there. And, and I said, as I backed away from the table, kind of to give myself some room to stand, there's nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? I'm going to go down swinging. <laughs> so he said to me, and it literally, later brought tears to my eyes, but he said to me, can I sit with you? Oh, my God. And that changed the entire atmosphere in that cafeteria, in that training table. Because Jack did that, because he said that, all of the other athletes who were somewhat, they weren't necessarily um, uh, vocal or physical about anything, but they didn't feel very comfortable in, in a welcoming way with me hmm. until that moment. That's the greatest Jack Youngblood story ever. <laughs> uh, you yeah. can have all the Super Bowls and everything else. That's the greatest one ever. The The question I'm going to ask you next, Ron, is kind of a lead up to a follow-up question, which will be of more importance. When you left, graduated, and moved on into the Navy, which we can get to in a little bit, Ron, when you left campus, were you relieved? Were you good riddance to this place? What was your emotion? What was your feeling when you left the University of Florida. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was not a feeling of relief. It was, it was a feeling of, of accomplishment and a feeling of things left undone. Okay. And, and yeah, and 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 this is a part of the story that not so many folks know about, but it's a part. It's a true part of the story. Du during my time at UF, I changed majors three times. Had no idea what I wanted to major in. I majored in sociology because my brother majored in it. I majored in PE because I, I excelled at physical activities and then finally went into journalism. But by then, during my third year, as the scholarship ended, I'm short of credits for graduation. So that was a feeling of not accomplishing the mission, being short of a degree. So uh, Coach Khan said to me, you can simply go to work, pay your own way for this last quarter, last uh, semester. And I and I did that. I tried that. But we had started a family very young. Uh, and I said to my wife, listen, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to go in uh, and, 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 and get to this GI Bill and finish my education. But in the meantime, that feeling of, of accomplishment was there athletically, six SEC championships, of course. And uh, but the, the feeling of completing the degree was lingering, Sean. But the GI Bill would be your vehicle to finish. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It, that dream was not going away. That right. that was going to happen. Unequivocal. So here Here's the follow-up question, and, the, and and it's the perfect lead-in because it seems there was adversity almost at every turn, 
which you raised up and and met with success over time. Uh -huh. But here is here is a life of service, though, Ron Coleman, to this institution where you serve as a president of Gator Boosters, a member of the board of directors for UAA, and the board of directors for the UF Alumni Association. And I look at that life of service back toward this institution, and I wonder if that is a sense of gratitude toward the institution. Is that a sense of... Um, as you said, unfinished business. What was the motivator for you to serve in the, in in a way that takes you through the rest of your adult life in a lot of ways? Yeah, Sean, that's a great, great question, and I'm glad you asked it because it it, it applies not only to me, but it applies to to lots of folks who are probably hearing this or will hear this this broadcast. Uh, the the greatest thing that I wanted to do. Uh, by volunteering to come back on campus, uh, and this was after my naval career, uh, was to serve, to give back the many things, well, the many things that they had, that the university had given to me, which was the basis of my collegiate education. And, and to serve as an example for those who, who likewise had finished their education or who had served athletically, academically, in whatever way, to give back to the university. I discovered during my um, uh, years away from the university that sometimes it was people were either reluctant or or just reticent or I don't know what the reasons were, but they would not give back. They would not participate. They would not come home, so to speak. And I was determined to 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 make that happen for my own um, enjoyment, for my own satisfaction, uh, and to encourage others to do likewise. Mm, well said, sir. Well said. Uh, Ron Coleman goes on to serve 22 years in the United States Navy, achieving the rank of commander, a naval aviator. Ron, what did you fly? My primary aircraft was S3 Viking. It's a two-engine carrier-based jet. Yeah. Well, I figured it'd be something that had to do with the carrier, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be easy. Challenge. Also, also served uh, working for the Department of Defense as well. Uh Ron, what do you miss most about Florida, and what do you miss most about the Navy at this point? Florida being the university? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. I was thinking the state, because I've never literally left the state of Florida, right. even during my naval career. But uh, the, the the thing I missed the most about the University of Florida, and I'll just be honest with you, was competing athletically against SEC schools. It was a joy to just kick some butt at any SEC Dual meet, try meet, whatever meet. It was just a joy to 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 compete <laughs> athletically. The uh, the academics was definitely a joy. It was a thrill for me to go to class and and try try to make that C to keep to maintain that 2.0 average. C's and A's and B's. And there were the occasional wayward <laughs> grades as well. But <laughs> I'm sure we all know about that. Uh, but the the part that I missed the most was the camaraderie among the uh, athletes, uh, especially among the specific sports, and uh, the the um, the coaching that we received as a result of that. Ron, do you speak to young people? And if you do, what's the message that you leave with them now 
at your age and with your experience? Yeah, I often volunteer to speak with uh, youth groups, uh, young people, um, high school teams, especially uh, to to either in a coaching role or a mentoring role, or as a motivator for for whatever teams, whatever whatever schools. And my message really is, uh, I have a central message, and and it always comes down to uh, a person's attitude. I always talk about a student's attitude. And I relate it to my career in the Navy because uh, you might know this already. And uh, when you're flying, attitude is the, the state of your aircraft. Your nose up, nose down, left wing down, right wing down, uh, and and y'all. Y'all roll in attitude. It's all called attitude. The condition of your plane as it relates to the earth, this flat surface, or the level surface, it's called, there you go, <laughs> it's called attitude. And attitude, depending on the attitude of the aircraft, with nose up, nose down, left wing, right wing, whatever, that is going to determine the altitude of the aircraft. Attitude equals altitude. So that that is the theme that I present to those students. If you have the right attitude, it's going to motivate you to, 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 to increase your standing in whatever you are doing, whether it be academics or athletics or relationships, whatever it may be, maintain the correct, the proper attitude. And when your attitude is out of kilter, talk to somebody about it. I've served as a flight instructor and often students would get into a, a bit of trouble and they would try to work their way out of it and do something improper. And I'll relate that story to the students as well. You have a great affinity for making things right, but maybe you're not doing something right. So talk to somebody about it. Attitude equals altitude. It's a great message. It's it's a fantastic message. It's all encompassing. Mm-hmm. I have one last question, Ron Coleman. With your permission, may I also now have a special feeling on May 22nd every year? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, you may. I will join you eagerly in that feeling. (laughs) Outstanding. I I can't thank you enough for this visit. It's been an unbelievable honor. And uh, I can't wait till I see you again soon in person. Thank you, Sean. I look forward to seeing you as well. Go Gators, Ron. Go Gators. In some regards, Omaha feels just like yesterday, and yet this weekend, Florida baseball opens their season, and I get to sit down with Jack Caglione, first baseman and pitcher for the Florida Gators, as he embarks now on his junior season out of the uh, Tampa area. The Omaha thought, Jack, does it seem like yesterday to you? Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about our text. You know, the last time we had texted was you sending me pictures from an interview, so... um it feels like it was just yesterday and, you know, to have season right around the corner, it kind of just goes to show how fast uh, everything's been moving lately uh, and just really kind of itching to get the ball going. Jack, you guys finished one game shy of a national championship. I know that probably stung in a lot of ways. Has it fueled you guys during this offseason? Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, if it didn't, we weren't doing something right. Um, with the freshman class that's come in, especially with the transfers that we've gotten, I think we're in a great position um, to make it back and make a good run uh, in the postseason. You know, we lost a lot of uh, talent and everything last year, but we've definitely filled the holes. Um, so 
I'm just excited for it. And leadership too. I mean, Josh Rivera, BT Ryapel, those guys clearly led your team in a lot of different ways last year. And so there's a kind of a leadership vacuum that's come as a result. Have you yourself tried to step into that, that void a little bit? Yeah, I mean, being one of the older guys, I feel like it kind of just comes with being an upperclassman. Uh, me, Ty Evans, you know, Blake Purnell, Slater, all the guys um, who've been here long enough to kind of know the ins and outs of the program have been, you know, nothing but great to the freshmen and all the new guys to kind of show them the ropes and what to do. For those who don't know, what are the hallmarks of this program? When you think about those guys and the way they led you and now the way you and your teammates are leading the team, what's, what's the commonality there with that transition? Really just accountability. The biggest thing for us is holding each other accountable. Um, you know, everybody holds their own personal selves are very high standards. So as long as we can do that for each other uh, and make sure everybody's on the same page throughout the whole year, you know, keeping everybody's heads on straight will kind of just be the biggest thing. And that's just what's helped us in the past. Jack, you said you're one of the older guys now. I guess you are, you're a junior. Do you feel like an old guy? I just turned 21, so yeah, kind of. <laughs> 21, that's old to you? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like no birthday's gonna be exciting, I feel like, for a little while, so. Did you have a good 21st birthday? I did. Family came up. It was good. Got to see my sister. So everything was great. Jack, when you when you think about what you did last year individually, what what are you most proud of? Honestly, just the point we got to last year as a group. You know, all the personal stuff. You know, it's exciting. Um, it's really cool to look back on. Um, but my biggest takeaway from last year is really just being able to say that I played with that group of guys. Um, there's really nothing like it. That group is very tight-knit, and everybody, you know, had each other's backs. And, yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm going to look back for for the rest of my life. Without a doubt. How do you feel differently this week as we get ready to start the season than you did a year ago? Um, I mean, probably confidence would be the biggest thing. Um, after my freshman year, it was a shortened year. Yeah, you know, you hit all right. You did all right. Uh, going into this year, you know, I was telling people, man, if I could just hit 315 with 15 homers, that's a pretty good year. Uh and obviously, you know, exceeded that. But, yeah, I'd say just a lot more prepared, for yeah. sure. Do you, feel, you, you set the new single-season home run record last year. Do you feel like any pressure or want, maybe is the better word, to chase after the 33 home runs you hit? I dug myself a little hole towards the end of the year to kind of chasing that to begin with. So yeah. I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, you know, the closer we get to it, you know, it's going to start building and building like it did last year. But, you know, I'm just going to take it day by day. You said you dug yourself a little hole, and I remember we talked about it a little bit when that was going on. Was that a learning experience for you, and do you feel like you learned the lesson per se? Yeah, 100%. You know, it was kind of at the worst possible time. You know, you're in Omaha, you're two or three homers away from breaking it and tying it, um, and you're kind of all fixed on that. You know, the school RBI record and everything, it kind of was in the back of my mind at all times every time I'd step up to the plate towards the end of the year. Uh, but thankfully, Chuck, uh, Coach Rollman was very, you know, real with me and kind of kept my head on straight and kind of broke everything down um, and got me back on track towards the end of the year. So, you know, very thankful for that. There are heavy pressures on you. And as we sit here getting ready to start a new season, Jack, you're on a just about every preseason award watch list from National Player of the Year on down and to be expected, especially the way you performed last year. How will you handle that now? Um, as as opposed to as we were just talking about a year ago. Yeah, I mean, kind of going back to the accountability thing, one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves with is, you know, you got to wrap yourself up in the team. 
nothing that uh, you do or nothing that you're going to do uh, can't be done without, you know, the other eight guys on the field. Um, my biggest thing is focusing on the betterment of the group and focusing on winning just day in and day out, and everything else will take care of itself. It is cool, though, isn't it? I mean, Golden Spikes thinking and all that. I mean, ego aside, that's pretty nice to have as a 21-year-old. Yeah, you know, definitely not something I'm taking for granted, but you can't pay too much like focus on it or else, you know, it's just going to add more unnecessary pressure. You didn't pitch last summer with Team USA, did you? I did not, no. Good thing in your eyes? Yeah. Yeah, you know, coming off of 71 games and, uh, you know, the college season and then going to do that, I was just thought it'd be best just to stick it at first and hit some bombs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> was it a good experience, though, with Team USA? It was unbelievable. You know, you don't really know – many of the guys that you're going to be there with and like their character and stuff like that but you know I could say with 100% no shadow of a doubt that all those guys were great you know made a lot of new friends uh, talked to a bunch of them still a lot of them are SEC guys so we're talking about when we're going to see each other and stuff like that on the road or at home this year so it was a really good experience. Is the plan the same as it was last year for you to play every day and pitch once a weekend? Yes, you know, longevity is the key, man. Longevity, longevity and staying healthy. Um, so that's kind of my deal and just kind of focusing on that in the weight room and stuff like that. So I could do what I did last year. You made it through. Was that the strength and conditioning part? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Sean Burke does a great job really kind of focusing on the pitching side of things for me, staying mobile and like explosive in that aspect rather than focusing on kind of being a bodybuilder and you know hitting balls farther uh so that was kind of our biggest emphasis especially in the offseason and stuff like that so it's been good in what ways are you better as a pitcher now in 2024 cleaned up a lot of stuff uh delivery wise uh and kind of just falling in love with the process of being a pitcher uh was kind of the biggest thing for me this offseason um you know the walks were an issue and Kind of just focusing on walks in general was the deal. You know, you want less of them on the mound and more of them at the plate. Um, and I think talking with Chuck for the plate side of things has helped a lot. Um, and working with Coach Cop and Sully have been, you know, very instrumental in all that. Is it hard to say the shortcomings like the walks out loud? Or are you comfortable kind of vocalizing that? I mean, I'm comfortable with it because it happened. You know, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of what I had to work on, which was good. Uh, going into the off season, giving me like the plan of attack and how to kind of go about it was very helpful. Um, you know, first year back off Tommy John, there's a lot of things to expect. You know, you can't kind of expect to go out there and be shoving every weekend and having a sub two ERA. Um, and that's kind of something that I wrestled with and tried to be too perfect every weekend. And rather than just kind of going out there and knowing that, you know, I'm gonna give it my best. If this is still all a work in progress, and now that I have a year under my belt, I think it's just going to be even better this year. Others refer to you as the Shohei Otani of college baseball. Did you find any any solace in that? Did that feel comfortable, or was it always awkward? I mean, it's just like any comparison to Shohei is really cool. Um, definitely something that I take pride in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't like it, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So you're okay with people referring to you as that? Yeah, for sure. Okay. When you go to that level, do you want to continue to pursue being a, a two-way player? Yeah, I mean, I plan to do both for as long as possible. Um, so someone kind of sits me down and gives me a firm, you know, you got to choose one or the other. Um, that's just kind of how I've thought about it. That's kind of how I've gone about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see myself stopping it anytime soon. Take me around the lineup here a little bit. 
I'm trying to still familiarize myself with some of the new guys. Who are some of the new faces that Florida baseball fans should come to know rather quickly? Um, honestly, Hayden Yost. He's a freshman from Tampa. Um, went to a high school near me, uh, Sickles, and he's just a very, very hardworking kid. Uh, he's somebody who I really think, you know, by his junior year is going to be an everyday guy and, you know, have a bunch of accolades and stuff like that. Um, you know, Colby Shelton, of course. You can't really ever count out him with what he did last year. Uh, Birdie Donay, he'll be catching for us and, you know, DHing and doing all that type of stuff. He's somebody that really has monster pop. I mean. More than you? It's it's comparable for sure. Uh, BP, when me and him are in the same group, it's fun to watch. It's like fireworks. So those guys are probably like the three that I would say, you know, are people to get to know sooner rather than later. Yeah, and then there's the returning guys like Dale and Cade Curland and Luke Heyman. Th- those guys seemingly have taken the step themselves. What have you noticed about their progression in the in the program at this point? Really just the maturity aspect of it all. Um, you know, I can say from my experiences as a freshman, you know, you come in, you want the immediate success, and I think these guys have kind of bought into the process of things. Um, Luke and Kate have been swinging it great. You know, Dale, being that everyday guy, he stepped up into a big role. He's becoming more of that vocal leader, kind of like Josh was last year. Um, and it's just really exciting to see really how far they've come, um, especially playing with Luke since high school and knowing Kate since, you know, we were young. Yeah. So it's all really awesome. Brandon Neely is another returning guy that's getting a lot of the same kind of preseason attention that you're getting too. Jack, there's a lot of conversation about some young freshman pitchers coming into the program. What have you noticed, not just working with them from your pitching role, but also facing them as a hitter? Yeah, I mean, the freshman this year, it's very, I'd, I'd say it's a pitching-dominated class for sure. Um, a lot of pitchers, there's just kind of just way too much talent to kind of encapsulate it on one word, yeah. you know, with Liam and uh, Satin, kid who went to my high school, um, Gomberg. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on, really. But the freshman talent that we have, as long as they know that they're going to play a big role um, throughout the year, they're going to get a lot of opportunities, more than they think. Um, I think if they are on board with that, then there's going to be a lot less problems, that's for sure. (laughs) Opening weekend is uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Are you um, antsy at this point? Is it hard to get some sleep? Is there some anticipation that finally you're going to start up again? Yeah, I mean, scrimmages can only be so fun. You see the same people over and over again. You know, all the guys are chomping at the bit, kind of just to see some new faces in the other side of the dugouts. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe we're three days away. I feel like, you know, like we talked about earlier, just yesterday we were back in Omaha. So, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't put the uh, school side of this last, but that's what we'll finish off with. How is school going, Jack Caglione? Good. All A's right now. Well, keep up those A's and uh, keep swinging. And thanks again. This was a great way to start the season to get to visit with you. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Go Gators. Go Gators. We are back in Scott Strickland's office. Time for another edition of Ask the AD. And Scott, this week's submission is um, is of some recent news. Obviously, the Big Ten and the SEC have come together to form an advisory group. And I'm not quite sure what that means. I'm hoping you can help shed some light on that. What would be the mission of that advisory group? What do you make of what that will come to be? Um, well, it's obviously the uh, SEC and the Big Ten are in a... Uh, 
uh, unique position given um, the the institutions that make up those conferences and and uh, uh, their reach, the size of the alumni bases and all that. Uh, those are, we're, we're two really strong conferences, and there are so many uh, opportunities right now to to work together collectively. Um, to try to navigate some of these really unique issues that are facing college athletics. And, um, you know, with the SEC and the Big Ten being leaders, uh, it's, it's appropriate that they take a leadership position. And, and um, exactly what that, what that group will come up with is to be seen. But there's no question when you look at the, uh, the litigation landscape that is occurring, certainly the uh, – the, uh, the opportunity for student athletes to benefit from name, image, and likeness, but the unstructured way that that is occurring, uh, the the situation with uh, um, you know transfers, a lot of the things that we're reading about on a daily basis that that we're dealing with on a campus level, whether it be our coaches or athletes, or whether it's on a conference level or a national level, how do we um, try to create a, a system that allows us to have competition that makes sense? In, in this day and age, uh, I think it's, uh, it's a good time for these two conferences to, to come together and have a conversation to see what can come of that. If I may ask a follow-up of my own to the fans' question, do you view this more as a think tank than anything else? Is that maybe a fair way to label this? Um, it, it, I, I can't, you know, you could go that route, right? Think tank, advisory. I think they're calling it an advisory group is, is what Commissioner Sankey has has termed it um and this group has no authority other than to advise the conferences um and come up with possible concepts or solutions that can be talked about and they're going to engage constituents obviously there'll be representatives from various schools in those two leagues um the student athletes will also have a voice at some point because obviously they're an important part of this ecosystem maybe the most important part of this ecosystem so um so, yeah, at the end of the day, they're trying to come up with ways that, that they can um, – plans and ideas and thoughts that can benefit college athletics. As always, thanks for your thoughts on this. We'll look forward to the next time. Thanks, Sean. Go Gators. This week, we begin what I call the crazy eight, the eight busiest weeks in the Florida Gators athletic calendar. To help us get up to speed on a lot of the events now taking place on campus – it's our own Kenna McGinnis with another edition of Kenna on Campus. Thanks, Sean. We'll start with tennis. The women's tennis team did not find success at the ITA National Indoor Championships in Seattle this weekend. They lost 4-0 to number 2 Stanford on Friday and 4-1 to Georgia on Saturday. Their luck didn't change on Sunday after losing to Auburn University either. Men's tennis also fell to number 3 Texas on Saturday by a score of 4-3. Track competed at both the Tyson Invitational and the David Hemery Valentine Invitational this weekend. The Gators' success was led by five separate Florida indoor all-time top 10 marks. New records were set as well. Freshman Parvez Khan ran a mile time of 3 minutes, 56 seconds, and 64 one-hundredths, breaking a record previously held for 13 years. Gymnastics did not disappoint at the 18th annual Link to Pink Meet against Arkansas last Friday. Sixth-ranked Florida defeated number 13 Arkansas. Leanne Wong earned her first 10 of the junior season and seventh of her career on the uneven bars. She now ranks fourth in UF career 10s behind number three, Bridget Sloan. Anya Pilgrim's performance earned her SEC Freshman of the Week. Softball had a successful week with six wins, four of which they brought home from the USF Rawlings Invitational in Tampa after facing Oregon State, Michigan, Bethune-Cookman, and USF. 
They defeated Jacksonville in both games, Tuesday and Wednesday. On Saturday, Gators lacrosse was outscored by eight to Loyola Greyhounds, this loss being the first time the Gators have fallen in their season opener since 2017. They recovered, however, with a 22-2 win against Scotland in their exhibition game on Wednesday. Lastly, it was all W's for the men's and women's basketball teams this weekend. The men's team defeated number 12 Auburn University on Saturday, 81-65, and LSU on Tuesday, 82-80. The women's team also put up a high-scoring game in SEC play against Mississippi State on Sunday. The Gators beat the Bulldogs in Starkville by 20, winning 90-70. That's Kenna on campus. I'm Kenna McGinnis. Thank you, Kenna, and that's a wrap for episode number 22. Big thanks to our big guests this week, Ron Coleman, Jack Caglione, and Athletic Director Scott Strickland, Kenna McGinnis, too, for another edition of Kenna on Campus. Special thanks, as always, to our presenting sponsors, UF Health and Pet Paradise. I hope you support those businesses, and thank you for supporting our efforts here at Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Hope you hit that subscribe button, and as always, don't forget to leave a review. I'm Sean Kelly. Until next time. Go Gators!